Hello and a warm welcome to the MoveLib52 podcast from your hosts, Roland and Galena. I'm Roland and I am a skill-based weight loss coach who lost 110 pounds myself 17 years ago, kept it off ever since, and now I help my clients and readers to do the same. And I'm Galena. I'm a movement specialist and a trauma therapist, supporting people with chronic and persistent pain and recovering from emotional eating. This is your first time with us. Head on over to eatmovelive52.com slash podcast guest. Get your free download and uh, see how you can work with us. And now on to the show. Hi, and welcome to the Eat, Move, Live 52 podcast. We have a special guest with us today, Petra Fisher. A couple of words about Petra if you've never met her before, and if you haven't, you will probably go and meet her right away online as soon as you hear this. Petra is a dear friend. She was certified as a restorative exercise specialist by Nutritious Movement in January 2013 and has completed over 200 hours of additional continuing education training from Nutritious Movement since that time. She's a teacher trainer for Nutritious Movement and instructor for the International Move Your DNA Workshop Program. She was certified to teach MoveNet Level 1 in October 2018, certified as a functional range conditioning mobility specialist in March 2019. She lives and works as a full-time traveler since August 2018, camping, moving, and exploring the world with her partner, Chris, in their 2003 Toyota 4Runner, Sophie. And um, it's an awesome, awesome Sophie. We've met her. Welcome, Petra. Hi. Something cool that I forgot to finish reading is that prior to her career as a movement coach, Petra was a practicing Ontario lawyer graduating with a JD from the University of Toronto in 2004. And that's what's really struck me about you when I first met you in 2013. I was like, you did what? And now you're going to do what? So welcome, you exceptional traveling human. I'm so happy to have you with us. It's a real treat to get to talk to you guys about this. Yeah, I didn't really fit into law very well. <laughs> Just laughs about it. That's yeah, <laughs> it was never the right choice. So I was super happy when I discovered movement. It's been a really good departure uh, for me, for sure. But if you ever want to know about your liability issues, definitely give me a call. <laughs> That's funny. Petra will give you all sorts of liability advice about how to travel and teach online from all parts of the world. Oh God! <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't call me about that. So the three of us, Roland and I and you, we met in 2013 and Roland and you, I believe, were in the same group certifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And we all ended up in the same house. And so yep. we got to not only hang out before and after classes, but also during classes. And I just remember um, just falling in love with you and Allison and just thinking, oh man, it's something they're, they're Canadian. They're just really incredible humans. <laughs> I, remember all, I remember all those awesome meals you cooked Galena you introduced me to the joys of the scrambled egg with blueberries which I have never forgotten that's so good I have no recollection of that oh man I've, they're delicious I've thankfully blocked that out of my <laughs> mind I'm sure it's delicious it's really good yeah. you know it, it's amazing when you share housing with other people who are doing movement training 
finding out how many commonalities we have outside of movement, how much we care about the environment and healthy eating and everyone's paleo. And I remember you had all these dehydrated meals that you were carrying with you. And I was like, this is cool. I've never really thought of dehydrating my meals for travel. And you, you kind of look like this like uh, nutritional crazy scientist, like you do something that I didn't. And it was so neat. <laughs> that is hilarious. I guess that was the camp vibes coming through because it's super useful having dehydrated food when you're camping. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit, you live an active personal and professional life. And if somebody follows you on Instagram or Facebook, it's like the most natural thing you do. And it's like, you've always done this. And then people find out you had an actual, you know, real clothes career. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about how you went from working a normal day job um, that most people actually dream of getting to <laughs> living a movement rich life and sort of being, you know, for all intents and purposes off, off the regular grid of life. Yeah, for sure. I think it's been like a slippery slope and a long time coming. Like it definitely wasn't a fast process and I definitely didn't have a vision of where it was going when I started. When I was lawyering, it was pretty obvious that my health was going way downhill. Like I was getting weird stress-related illnesses, like my skin was really bad and my sleep was really bad, partly because I was working all the time. But I really wanted to be fit. And so the way that I would work out was a lot of running and weightlifting. And then I got running injuries and started doing physiotherapy instead. And no matter what I did, I kept getting sports injuries. And so sort of kind of at the same time, I realized that law wasn't the right place for me and that I was getting really interested in the physical side of how human bodies worked and in wellness. So I actually spent um, about five years transitioning from lawyer world into movement world because I went and worked at the Ontario government doing public policy for about five years, which was a great place for me because I got to you know meet some great colleagues and do some great work there on renewable energy. But I also had more spare time that I could use to pursue my interest in my own health and to discover that I really loved teaching and personal training and helping other people with better movement. So it was a great transition period for me. And I moved from that into movement coaching. So I was working at home for about four years before my, so I had a home studio as well as working in, in various studios in Toronto. And that was awesome. But I was right in the middle of a big city. And because, because movement is something that, I don't know, I, I take the perspective that the best movement for the human body is the one that's the closest to what you would have done as a natural hunter and gatherer provided you step it up and step it down, progress and regress appropriately. So I started to realize that there were some limitations in how far I could go with my movement opportunities while I was living in downtown Toronto. And I wanted to experience what it was like to live outdoors and have much more contact with nature than, than I was currently having. And around the same time, my partner was thinking he would like to do a career shift in the location shift. And we basically realized that, you know, because we don't have kids, we could make this thing work where we decided to buy a van and travel the world and look for a new place to live and live outside and just kind of see what happened. So that took us about a year and a half to get ready for, and we've been doing it for about a year. So that's where we're at right now, living outside, moving, traveling, and exploring. That's amazing. Sounds pretty awesome. 
It's and been really exciting. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's been great. <laughs> Lots of work too. Yeah, and since we've we've been your kind of home base a couple of times on that journey, it's just amazing to see how many things you need to take into consideration to have the kind of life you have chosen for the season. And so, you know, do I really need this? Can I put it in my van? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. this is really cool, but I really don't have space for it. Yeah. And it kind of pairs down life to just what you really need and the yeah. wants. It seems like the wants become a little bit um, almost like non, it's not that they're non-existent, but they become non-important. Yeah, well, it's definitely an enforced minimalism. Like there's only so much we can carry in the truck. Now you can still spend a lot of money and buy a lot of things if you want to, but we sort of consciously embrace trying to have less stuff and try to do things more on the fly and keep things minimal because it just seems like a better lifestyle for us, especially at this point in the world's history. So having less and doing more is kind of the spirit that we're traveling with right now. Yeah. And then- you get to have more pictures though. You guys have some <laughs> incredible, like I, th- I was looking at my phone, which is like 500 pictures while you're here. <laughs> I know. I don't even know what I'm going to do with them all. I've got to, I've got to organize them. Well, I'm, I'm assuming some sort of a photo exhibit will come out of it, <laughs> you know, or like a book or like an online collection just for people to look and marvel. <laughs> well, we'll have to do something with them. I mean, it's certainly, I think, one of the things that, that we've noticed. So a, as you know, we've stayed with you and we've had the opportunity to stay with friends throughout the U.S. and Canada. And we've also done a lot of camping and we've kind of mixed those two things. And, and that's been a really cool experience. We've gotten to experience so many different lifestyles and and parts of the world. And, you know, the way our friends live is always, we always learn stuff and it's always a really great way to get to know people better. But I think that the biggest lesson of all the traveling has just been how much your environment really changes your movement opportunities. We've stayed with my mom and she's got kind of a ranch style house in the country and it's very hard to go for walks there because you can't just walk to the grocery store. So it was interesting because you're outdoors, there's great, you know, sight lines, you can look far away and there's nature around you, but then you actually get more walking when you're in downtown Toronto. So it's just (laughs) been very profound how, how those environmental shifts change your movement opportunities everywhere you go. Absolutely. We got snow for the first time last week Mm. and I got like, and it was the first day I was back from traveling. So I had a lot of work to do. And at the end of the day, I had walked less than half a mile that day Mm -hmm. and it was all in the house (laughs) and you know, I did my movement practice and stretching and all of that, but usually get five or six miles, but there was snow. I was tired. I was working and it was like, wow, it's amazing how it can fluctuate so wildly. Yeah, for sure. And temperature, I mean, I know snow adds slipperiness too, but temperature is a huge variable when you're spending time outside and you have to really be prepared for it. And that's one of those decision making points for us. Like we could have gotten out and gotten really hardcore sleeping bags and a heater for the, you know, for the tent. And there are options that you can do to be more resilient to temperature. But part of what I like doing, like you, is, you know, stretching and self-care on a yoga mat. That's a lot more fun when it's 20, oh, sorry, um, 20 Celsius, that's about 75 degrees Fahrenheit, when it's nice and warm out, basically, than when it's yeah. cold. And you just, everything changes depending on your temperature and your environment, for sure. Yeah. 
that's amazing. So we have a whole bunch of questions for you because yeah. you you come here not just as kind of the embodied example of somebody who moves their body and is using the environment to get their body moved, but also somebody who has really embarked on this journey of movement as a solution to certain things that didn't feel good. Hmm. Um, what was your initial motivation to start studying movement? And do you feel like your motivation over the last you know, six or seven years has changed? Hmm, that's a good question. So it was for sure sports injury. I don't think I would have come to looking at movement quality as a profession if I hadn't run into movement issues. And my choice just seemed to be don't do the things I love to do. And at that point, it was more running and mountain biking and kind of more, more traditionally athletic stuff. Either don't do those things or go down this pathway of physiotherapy and rehab Pilates and basically learning to move better so I wasn't hurting myself so often. And that was kind of what started me off. And, and as I stopped hurting, I started realizing how much I enjoy movement as a as a lifestyle like I enjoy the feeling of movement in the moment and then I love teaching as well so at this point for me movement is much more much more about enjoying my body and enjoying my life and much less about healing specific things but that's still there for me as well like I definitely have a few longer term issues that I work on regularly and that's exciting too because I think it's really empowering to think that I can care for my own health by by working on these things and seeing changes happening from working on those things is really cool. That is very interesting. What was your sport? Oh god, it wasn't exactly a sport. I was a really inactive teenager. The only thing I did was horseback riding, although I did do that quite seriously, and then some hiking. And then when I got to university, I was gaining weight and I was like, oh my God, I totally need to lose weight. So I started running and I actually loved running. I totally fell head over heels in love, but I almost immediately started getting injuries from it. But that was enough to trigger me into kind of wanting to do cool outdoorsy stuff. So I think that outdoors vibe was already in my heart even back then. So I learned how to snowboard badly and I learned how to mountain bike badly and I got into yoga and I did bunches of CrossFit like I did a lot of stuff because I, I like intensity too but all of those things are also prone to injuries so mm -hmm. it was kind of that that seeking intensity and then finding injuries that got me to shift gear and be like okay I've got it there's a missing piece here that I need to fill in gotcha. and what's cool now is that after having worked on kind of backing up and understanding what my body needs and building up better strength and capacity is now I'm starting to be able to do more of those intense activities. So, you know, we did a lot of backpacking over the summer and we did some long, long distance hiking with no problems. We're doing a lot of move net these days. And then the, the winter we're planning to do some surfing. So it's pretty cool to have that capacity regained 20 years later. It's amazing to look at what improving movement quality can do. I came to restorative exercise from, you know, years of heavy and some competitive weightlifting and I was hurting like really bad. And I took, I kind of went the other way, like the pendulum swung hard mm -hmm. and I said, I'm not going to touch weight for at mm -hmm. least a year. And I spent two years not doing any weights. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back to some weightlifting, it was so much more efficient and smooth and I was actually stronger mm. and um, being able to move weight with competency and efficiency 
and without pain is like a dream. Mm -hmm. uh, but if somebody had come to me, like if I had gone to a physical therapist and he had said, listen, Galena, with your injuries right now, you need to take two years off. I'd be like, no way. <laughs> no way, because there wouldn't be anything to catch me. Mm. But um, having the restorative exercise practice was such a way to come into my body and really connect with my bones and my skeletal system and really kind of inhabit my life in a different mm -hmm. way yeah. where it was pleasurable to mm -hmm. move again. Because mm -hmm. the pleasure when you're in pain, there's so much fear in the system mm -hmm. that the pleasure just goes away. And yeah. I was really struck by what you said that your initial motivation was to in improve your health and to not ache. Mm -hmm. But then over time, you have rediscovered joy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that inner pleasure in movement is that like what I joke with my students when I say no pleasure, no gain. You <laughs> I need, love it. Like awesome. you need to get yeah. to a pleasurable place yeah. in order to be motivated. Otherwise, yeah. it's just like a forced discipline. It's like the army every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess like one thing to add on to that as well, like not only do I genuinely enjoy the work because it feels good, but I'm also very aware of what aging looks like among our population. And that's been another thing that's been interesting about traveling because I've had the opportunity to hang out with some older folks. And you can really tell, you know, by the time you hit your 70s, you're either in an armchair all the time watching TV or you're out hiking all day long, having an awesome time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can really see those capacities change or, or starting to lose the strength to lift your heavy pots and pans overhead. Like life requires strength and fitness um, to live the way I want to live anyway. Yeah. 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 I don't imagine armchair Petra ever. <laughs> <laughs> I would go crazy. So when it comes to, so you've talked about, you know, sort of your structured movement practices and, but you also have sort of, well, how do you see the, the role of a structured movement practice versus just having an environment that mm -hmm. fosters the kind of health and fitness you want? Mm -hmm. I think like anything in life, like your needs change over time. So in my view, you know, a structured movement practice can do many things. Um, one is just straight up to allow you to, to make change. I think if you don't spend the time to look at how you move and observe whether you can make changes. You're never going to be able to do it when you're out in the real world. Mm -hmm. So you, you get to build capacity. You get to observe your patterns. You get to understand and embody movement better when you're in the studio. And then when you go outside, not only does being outside feel better, but you know, the, the changes you make in the studio get compounded. So, you know, I still, like I warm up before a hike by doing joint mobility work. Um, if one part of my body feels like it needs some extra love, I will definitely take that into the studio. And, you know, my, my shoulders are still a pretty tight area for me. So I'll spend some time daily doing some shoulder work in the studio. And then I will also try to make sure I spend plenty of time during my day with my hands above my head or I'll hang whenever I can. And I feel like there's some cross pollination. I, I don't think you get the same results if you go only studio or only outdoors. I think they really complement each other. That's great. I completely agree. And I feel like not just in my body, but also with students, 
it seems like we so often want to make a structure out of something so we can check off a box and we can kind of get that like oh I have structure structure feels good Monday Wednesday and Friday I mm -hmm. do this thing from five o'clock to six o'clock and while it's better than nothing it is an incomplete because any your moment to moment needs might be changing dramatically from taking mm -hmm. care of an injury or pains or aches or you know maybe mm -hmm. climate season or stage and then if you go into an active preparation for say hiking or going on the Appalachian Trail or El Camino or whatever it is that people do that are big feats that's going to require a completely different um, yeah. approach and at the same time I feel like in nutritious movement we have this overarching idea of we can change the environment at home mm -hmm. we can change the environment of our sleep or the yeah. environment of how we spend yeah. our free time and that's going to move our bodies more in yeah. the time that we are awake without yeah. having a movement practice yeah i think we get like a bunch of toolboxes and you pick and choose whichever makes sense for your life at this moment and hopefully you know it, it's it's progressing towards something where you get some studio and some outdoor time and some structured time and some unstructured time and that that it kind of integrates into your whole life um, but you know I, I think it's all really helpful like the specific correctives to help your body from where it's at. I love structured exercise. I'm not going to lie. I've had so much fun doing like move now workouts where I do reps and sets. Like that feels good to me because that's the culture I come from. Um, I like going on a long hike that I plan for, but I like going for a little stroll to the grocery store and absolutely the environment of, you know, if you don't have a bunch of tables and chairs around, then you just move more all day. And so you get all of those things to pick and choose from. And you can also add alignment in your daily life as another kind of exercise you can choose to do all the time that you want to and that gives you a lot of toolboxes to, to choose from in order to add more and better movement yeah i think it's important i agree i think it's important to have both in your life because if you go to either of the extremes there are people that say oh your life's this healthy lifestyle is all you need mm -hmm. and that may be the case if you grew up in the healthy lifestyle Right. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. didn't you weren't sitting at chairs and couches mm -hmm. and cars all day long mm -hmm. as a child and you had a and you were always active. But like I wasn't. So I am I'm dealing with the body that I have now as mm -hmm. that was, you know, created and molded by my by my life for the mm -hmm. first fifty years, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. So structured exercise helps and that, you know, helps me faster than just living in living the new lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I want to continue to live in the modern world. Mm -hmm. I want to have some of these luxuries and I want mm -hmm. to, I work with a computer. Like, like we have all these things that we live in in real life. So it's, you know, like a, so if I if half of my life is spent doing stuff, you know, in a in a chair or sitting still too much, I need to do something to counteract that, not just not just not have a couch and not just yeah. not, you know. Just like, get off the computer forever, Roland. That's your answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and if yeah. I could do that, if I was on like a desert island, you yeah. know, like maybe I yeah. wouldn't have to have a structured, <laughs> I wouldn't have time for a structured exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like a vitamin supplement because your movement diet just simply is insufficient. Like we just, we just don't get it. And even not even living in a truck, moving around camping all the time, you're still on the computer a lot. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that little bit of extra is really helpful and important. Yeah. And it is fun and it is motivating. So, you know, if you, I mean, there's no, like you said it, you enjoy it. Like we grew up in this, this sort of a, a life where these kinds of things are, are fun to do and mm -hmm. they are either comforting or they're inspiring to us. And so there's really nothing wrong with it. It's all, all, all movement matters, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Hi, Roland here with a brief interruption to tell you about the Eat, Move, Live 365 community. Kalina and I have been hosting our fun and thriving membership community since 2017, and we'd love to have you as our next member. The Eat, Move, Live 365 community is filled with like-minded people, just like you, ready to share tips, have fun, and give each other the support we all need to live our best lives. We've got monthly recipes, mindfulness practices, and exercises, and mobility programs that you can do right at home without any equipment. You are going to love how great simple habits, spirited motivation, and a warm community can make you feel. Head over to eatmovelive365.com right now and check it out. eatmovelive365.com. See you there. So how has this whole experience, like the way you're living and everything, how has it changed your body and the way you feel and any anything from circadian rhythms quality of movement digestion <laughs> my digestion is fine thank you very much the hardest part of pooping is digging a hole in the ground when you're like fully camping in the backcountry because it is hard to dig a hole in the ground when the ground is dry and hard so there you go a little bit of tmi for you um <laughs> <laughs> so there have been tons of changes. Um, at first, to be honest, it was quite um, uncomfortable for both my partner and I. We both noticed more aches and pains rather than less. And I think that was just because it was a big transition. Um, we added a lot more daily movement. So the way we travel, it's, it's van life, but it's van life with a, an SUV, not a van. So for the last year, we've been camping in a tent and we just got a rooftop tent. So that has changed things as well. Um, and because that was our choice, uh, it's a little bit less like living in an RV and more like, I guess, living in a truck because we always, you know, instead of having cupboards with glassware in it, we have boxes and we have to carry our boxes and take them out of mm. Tupperware boxes. You know, you got to lift them out of the truck and, and get stuff out of there. So there's a lot of lifting and carrying. A lot of people travel with folding camp chairs, but we do not. So we eat our meals on a very low table that we made um, sitting on a picnic blanket. So that means we are almost never in chairs except for when we're driving. And as a result, I mean, both of us have noticed a huge increase in our capacity for squatting um, comfortably for longer periods of time with more mobility. Like that's been an absolutely obvious change for sure. Um, I'm certainly stronger, I think, because I lift and carry more stuff all the time. And then, especially with the new rooftop tent, we spend a lot of time reaching up above and kind of climbing around on the truck. So just kind of, I don't know, there's this like, 
it's hard to even describe. Like it just feel a little bit more active all of the time. So that's exactly what we were looking for. More of a movement-based lifestyle is definitely available because we've cut out the things that are preventing us from moving more. I think that's you awesome. mentioned it's super cool. It's been really, really neat. So definitely just stronger and more able and more mobile. So the, the pain part passed, the aches and pains, it wasn't terrible, but we just noticed it. That passed after about six months. And since then, we feel like we're kind of stronger overall and more able to, we've fully adapted to the lifestyle now, I think. Our so feet. What oh, do you yeah, attribute the aches and pains to? Like, what was the difference that caused the aches and pains? Oh, I think it was mostly just adaptation. Like, it was just a little bit more stuff than our bodies were quite ready for and because it, you know you can't the way we did it was we moved from our house into the truck there wasn't a transition period so it just took a while for our bodies to get used to it yeah it's just uh, and it's just the overall distribution of movement like all day and all different yeah. kinds of movement and yeah. you don't really get a break because yeah. you're you know you're yeah. sitting or moving one example, Roland, um, and I was going to say like our feet also in general have definitely gotten stronger and more mobile and more able. But when we went to Mexico last winter, I was super excited to do lots of long walks on the beach because I figured sand is hard to walk on. That'll be great for strengthening my feet. What actually ended up happening was it overstressed uh, my right foot where I tend to have some issues. And I ended up getting a whole new pain in my foot that I hadn't ever had before. So I had to back off and do the work to kind of fix that. So just an overload in, in ways I didn't necessarily expect. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when we think about load, it's not just the soreness of, you know, um, micro injuries that happen to the muscle, the muscle level, but we're not very beefy, like humans mm -hmm. were, you know, it's not like Petra, it's not like you grew up on a farm lifting mm -hmm. heavy stuff and dealing with livestock. You were, you know, pretty much li like in where I come from, we call people like you intellectuals, right? <laughs> Petra? <laughs> you know, you have like the working people that work with their body and the intellectuals, like the book people. And so like your, our bodies just don't have the tissue strength for yeah. some of these all day movements, which is why adaptation is necessary until, you know, surfaces and fascia and joints and muscle and, yeah. and some of the sensitivity of the nerves mm -hmm. and some of your brain going, oh, this new thing actually isn't going to kill me. I can mm -hmm. lower my warning signals. Mm -hmm. It's huge because yeah. your brain's like, are they for real? Like, are they really doing this? <laughs> Why are we we're doing really, this? We're gonna do this. Ex <laughs> this is expensive, you guys. We you have to gave, build. <laughs> I gave them brains so they wouldn't have to work so hard. <laughs> and so, and totally. so, it's like it's a little bit of that, like nervous system adaptation as well. Yeah. I am most curious about sleeping on the ground. So you know mm -hmm. how, like for me, camping is like an Airbnb. So <laughs> how is it? How is it? How has it been for sleep to sleep on the ground? There's cool studies that are coming out. I have never tested on me how I sleep on the ground outside. Well, we were total floor sleepers anyway, so we'd already transitioned to sleeping on very thin mats on the ground. So you know what? It was actually easier because we've been sleeping on our um, Thermarest, which is a blow-up camping mattress. So it was actually more squishy and more cushy for us on the ground camping than it was at our home when we left it. So it was there was zero transition, and if anything, I was kind of sad that we didn't have harder matting to sleep on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I love ground sleeping, and I love you know. I love sleeping on the floor. That's a no-brainer for me. And now that we have the rooftop tent, that actually has a foam 
mattress in it. It's not super thick, but it's so comfortable. <laughs> so I'm kind of worried that I'm going to lose my ground adaptation. Mm -hmm. um, but Galena, you might want to consider a rooftop tent because I think that could make a camper out of you. Well, you know how fall. people make those those homemade rock mats where mm -hmm. they like fill boxes full of rocks? Mm -hmm. You could just make a really small lip in the tent and fill it full of dirt. Don't think I haven't thought about that, Roland. You know, it's like, <laughs> get your grounding and it's going to be uh -huh. a little bit harder. Give you that smell, earthy smell. Chris is going to be super jazzed we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> how about your How about your He told me rooms? several times to stop bringing up ideas to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How about um, circadian rhythms, Petra? Like going, like going to bed with natural light and sun setting and sun coming up in the morning. Have you noticed any differences there? That was absolutely huge for us, and I'm glad you brought that up because it was that was the biggest thing of anything. We clocked onto the sun within, mm. I don't know, a super short time, and it's so powerful. So we left in October last year, so the the days were getting pretty short by the time we made it down south, and. Um, and we were going to bed by 7 30 8 o'clock every night for sure and then sleeping until the sun rose and i think that'll be the same uh, we've been in houses a lot over the last few weeks so i feel a little disconnected with that but it, it's just incredible how that natural light makes a difference and one thing that i i really love about the outdoor living is when you wake up in the morning and the sun's just starting to rise and you can feel the cool of the night is still in the air and i think mm. it's not just the light, it's also the temperature that your body is responding to. And you really notice it when you're outside all the time. There's even this moment that both my partner and I have realized, you know, that the temperature drops all night. It doesn't just get cool around eight and then stay that temperature. So around four in the morning, we'll often notice that we kind of want more covers in our bed because that's the cold time. And I think that must be something that plays into kind of our, whatever human bodies are adapted to biologically has got to have that cold cycle in it too I'm, I'm certain of that yeah because then then cortisol will go up right after that mm -hmm. to get your body temperature up yeah because it's like ah, so cold <laughs> yeah so i i wonder uh you know that's what makes you at six o'clock in the morning go get these covers off of me this is too much <laughs> i need to get up but i wonder i often wonder whether you know all the people with disrupted cortisol rhythms and reverse cortisol rhythms how much of that is just no change in environment? Yeah, you yeah, go, I like think it's, it's huge. You just go to bed at whatever your AC is set at, and you yeah. wake up at that, and yeah. your body's like, "What the heck?" You know what? Yeah. yeah, that's not normal. Yeah, we've been. I've noticed a couple things since we've moved here to Colorado. First, it's much darker here at night. Mm -hmm. So even though some of our neighbors have like their security and their porch lights on. Even with those, it's much darker. Like when you walk through the house in the middle of the night, like you have to like either shine a light or you have to turn <laughs> like follow like light. You have to like flip switches on as you walk because it's so dark. Mm -hmm. But then, and if you get up at two or three o'clock in the morning, it's still that dark. But it's interesting mm -hmm. that I've noticed how much lighter it is at five o'clock in the morning, even though it seems like it's pitch dark out. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. when I get up at five o'clock in the morning, I can see without the lights that's but really interesting. four o'clock in the morning i couldn't but yeah it seems yeah. the same darkness so there's yeah. something there that like we don't really perceive it's like too subtle to perceive but it's definitely it's definitely there and i think without these natural rhythms that's that's another thing that we're missing out on the other thing is like um our we have these baseboard heaters hmm in two zones in the house and for some reason the way it's set up our bedroom is like 
like it's really cold. Right? It's like yeah. a wine cellar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. you, could hang, you could hang meat in our closet in there. <laughs> it is so cold. But don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but the rest of the house is pretty warm. So mm. it's like interesting. Like it does get, so even though if the rest of the house is pretty warm, you know, if like we keep it to where it doesn't go like six below like 66 mm -hmm. in uh, Fahrenheit, it, because there's no circulation, because of these baseboard heaters, like, it, the room in there just continues to get colder and colder and colder. And I brought in a, a, a thermostat, I mean, a ther thermometer hmm. to check it out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like 60 degrees in here. And, but it's like oh. 70 out in the living room when I get up in the morning. That's and it's so like, random. yeah, so it's so, it's be so interesting to see. And I like to sleep with it cold. Me too. So yeah. Cold air with a warmer blanket. So it'll well, our biggest fine. tip is have your duvet that you're sleeping under. But then if you add a sleeping bag to that as well, you can totally handle the cold. So that, that's my advice. All right. We actually do. Or another blanket. That would work yeah. too. We have a couple of sleeping bags. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, that was another thing that we thought was really interesting that we did notice is also how bright the moon is. So on the one hand, you know, clearly darkness and, and the, the quality of light has an impact on circadian rhythms, but it is unbelievable how much light the moon actually pumps out. Like you have a moon shadow from about, I don't know, from about a quarter moon on. And it just, it blows my mind how bright the moon is. So that really makes me also curious about research into darkness and humans and sleeping because the moon would have had an influence for sure as well. So anyway. Yeah. I remember a podcast I listened to a while back on circadian rhythms and the, the guest, and I, I can't remember their name, um, was a, a sleep researcher. And he was saying that actually we need that moonlight. Mm. So yes, blackout curtains if you live in the city, but if you live out of the city or if you can camp, actually moonlight is beneficial. That is really interesting. So I would you, like to hear so that. So you don't want pitch black because pitch black is not natural. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. That's cool. Yeah. But I think like even one neighbor's porch light is more light than the stars would be. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. they're talking about how like when you go out in like in the desert and there's no, no natural, no, no unnatural light mm -hmm. of how the stars seem so bright, but when mm -hmm. they've used light measurement devices, they're like, Oh, it's hardly anything. It's like, yeah. it's like one candle from like, it's, you know, from 50 feet away is more light than those, all of those stars. So, well, it is the moon specifically I'm talking right, about. Yeah. Oh, no, no, definitely. But I was sure we're yeah. talking about the, as far as the blackout curtains, people right. think, right. oh, well, the, the stars aren't a problem. So like those street lights down there shouldn't be an issue either. Okay. But yeah, it's no, totally clearly the street lights are an issue. Like we clearly have way too much light around. I just think it's interesting because it's a little more nuanced once you're actually outdoors. And the same with being quiet at night. Like it's quiet at night for sure, but there's wind and there's coyotes mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of, or if you're near water, you're, you're going to have water noise at night. Uh, it's just very interesting to me because it's made me question some of my assumptions about what natural environments mean for humans. Yeah, I think you know, the more I think about it and the more I'm learning about it in the nervous system, it is the man-made sounds mm. that are disruptive, like the low monotone hum of an air conditioning or heat or something like that, or the buzzing of street lights. It's not going to be birdsong or uh, chirping of 
crickets and uh, <laughs> the, the brook that's yeah. going to disrupt it's, your yeah. rhythms. It's very rare that I go, oh, well, those birds just shut up. I'm trying to write. <laughs> you know, unless it's a crow. <laughs> last last fall we camped on a beach and uh, it was the bay of fundy which is a place with very high tides and we were pretty sure we were in a safe spot but we knew it was a steep beach and it was the bay of fundy and so all night we heard the waves crash and crash and i had the most terrible dreams of being submerged by the water the whole entire night so mm -hmm. the sea is is a loud thing even if it's natural, it's, it's, it's very energetic. And so can wind be really energetic. And I find that the, the energy in the environment around you is something you really respond to. So yeah, a really loud windy night or a loud oceany night, I, I find that harder, harder to sleep on for sure. Mm -hmm. We just had this ginormous moon. Um, we had like two days of that. That's what our ancestors called it. Hunter's moon. <laughs> that ginormous. is super bright and super close. And we're at altitude. And you mm -hmm. feel like the moon is like on your ceiling. Mm -hmm. So I've had a couple of weird nights just being mm -hmm. like super restless and awake. Mm -hmm. and like, what do you want from me? <laughs> they're all Speaking of mental. <laughs> Um, so how has this adventure, I mean, you talked a lot about the physical part of it and the circadian rhythms, mm -hmm. but how has this affected you like mentally, like how able, because you're still working, right? You're still working and you're still studying and you're doing all these things and, yeah. you, I, and you're working with your partner as well. So yeah. don't claw your hands at me. <laughs> go, to go out in nature. <laughs> Good thing we're not in the video because she gave me the claws. Oh. I could tell. It's terrible, Galena. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Um, so mentally, I guess, I think overall, one of the one of the touchstones mentally for, for myself anyway, I read a book right before we started the trip. It's a book called The Wanderers. Katie Bowman actually recommended it. So if you guys want an, a fun read, it's, it's a pretty cool book about these astronauts who are picked to go on a mission to Mars. And they spend the entire book in the training simulation for the Mars mission. So they spend two years in a simulator trying to do the best job they can of not even actually flying to Mars. And, and the book is told um, as they go through these stressful simulation situations, but it's told from the first person viewpoint so you can hear their, their mental dialogue with themselves. And every time they feel things going off the rails, they talk themselves back to behaving like the perfect rational astronaut so they can get chosen for the real mission. So it's very meta, but... Hmm. To my mind, that, that's been like kind of a touchstone. So on the days when things could become stressful, like there's always a day when something breaks in the truck and we can't find where we're going and someone's mean to us at the phone office. Like there's just days when all the, all the bad things happen. <laughs> and, um, and that's when we, we sort of take out our astronaut brain and we kind of step back and go, okay, you know, we have a choice right now. We can either feel stressed out and upset or else we can just be like, okay, you know what, we're, we're going to deal with this. And that's been very, very helpful for, for me. And I feel like that, that ability to step away from stress and be like, okay, I, I have a choice in how I respond. I can feel that emotion, that reaction, but the way I'm going to actually respond by right now to it is an option has been just super, super helpful. And it's been cool. Like there was one point where I actually, I left my purse in a park <laughs> uh, while we were doing a workout and I just completely left it there I forgot it and we realized that about 20 minutes later when we were already in the truck driving away and so we turned around to go get it 
And of course, half of me was like, oh my God, my entire life is in there, all of my credit cards. Like, if we can't find that, that's going to be a real challenge. But ultimately, like, the, the only thing we could do was walk back to that park and see if it was still there. And so it was kind of cool. We just like, we, we talked and we relaxed. And by the time we got to the park, somebody had found it and they were looking for us and they gave it back to us. So mm -hmm. it was really nice to know that we hadn't stressed out over nothing. And overall, I would say that's much more an element of how I'm approaching life now. Like it's definitely kind of seeped into my personality a bit, a bit more. That's good. That's very cool. And I have to say that hanging with you two, hanging out both in California and here in Colorado, like it, you seem pretty chill, but like you never know from the outside. Yeah. You yeah. Know? No, I, so. I feel more chill. There have definitely been, you know, stressful situations and stuff that you, you know, I, there's, there's this unknown element to things that, that you come up to again and again, like we're about to go down to Baja and Baja is a part of Mexico we haven't been to. And they have military checkpoints at certain points in Baja. And it's said that sometimes the, the federal police look for bribes and, you know, it's just this point where you're being exposed mm. to an unknown authority and an unknown language. It's a little bit nerve wracking where you're like, okay, what am I going to do with this? But all you can do is prepare and plan and not be a jerk. So that's kind of the, <laughs> <laughs> the spirit that we're going into it with. And, and then we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best. But yeah, yeah, it's mostly been pretty chill. And then some days you're like, ah, what are we going to do? <laughs> More than anything, we find cities are a challenge. If we're outside of a city, we can figure things out. But you go into a city and you're like, oh, cars everywhere, people. It's, it's intense. That's, that's funny. Mm -hmm. I was very curious to ask you too, since both you and your partner, you're, you're so passionate about healthy eating like Roland and I are. And I would imagine that it's been a transition to eating differently or preparing your food differently or maybe even using foods in Mexico that you normally wouldn't use in Canada. What has that been like? That's definitely been a challenge. Um, it's been really instantly obvious that your food options depend on your environment and it is easier to get green vegetables and superfoods when you're in America versus when you're in a place like Mexico. It's made me realize how privileged we are to have the options that we have in Canada and the USA. And I'm very, very grateful that I have those choices when I'm in those areas. And it's also made us adapt how we eat. Like no matter where we go, the things we have to think about are storage and convenience and health. Like those are kind of the, and, and flavor, but those are kind of the, the, the factors we take into consideration. We have a fridge in the truck, which is super useful. It's got a freezer as well. So we usually try to have things like frozen vegetables or, you know, some options, some fermented foods if we can get them, some fridge options that we can go to easily. We have a bunch of dry goods in one of our, our containers. And so we've been able to eat pretty healthily, uh, but it's definitely more simple than if we were living at home because I don't have an oven. I only have a two burner stove. So we eat a lot of what we call mishmash, which is basically just vegetables and a protein kind of stir fried together, but it's good. We've become simpler. You haven't created a manifold oven yet? <laughs> There's no oven yet. No. <laughs> have you ever seen that on YouTube where they like pack it in around the engine and like it, it bakes it as you drive? That would be awesome. I may actually have to do that. <laughs> I've seen baked potatoes done this yeah, way, and yeah. I don't yeah. think that that would be. There was the engine cookbook. Yeah. Engine yeah. Cook, seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, totally that's hilarious. So um, it would be interesting to to see that. 
So we've talked what? about options. Like we talked about getting an instant pot and for, cause in Mexico, you kind of have to camp in RV parks. Uh, so it's not very natural living at all, uh, but you could plug in an instant pot. Mm-hmm. And we've also talked about getting a Dutch oven because you can cook with those with a few coals, but we tend to travel. We've traveled a lot this summer, like more than we really wanted to. So we've driven a lot, which doesn't give you a lot of time to like slow roast things. So no, totally. maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe next year will be wonderful. Or yeah. maybe you find, we had friends who lived in Baja for, um, I think four months last year oh, cool. and uh, they had found somebody to just make them meet in mm. like the, the area that they stayed and they were super happy with that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think the instant pot could be a good addition because you can, I mean, it's so flexible and it goes so quickly mm-hmm. and it, you know, you can, I mean, you can use it for so many different things. So like if you have like, instead of always having to, get out your propane burner, you could, mm-hmm. you know, plug it in and do some things sometimes there as well. That's exactly how I feel about it. And so now we're just kind of waiting and seeing if we still feel like we need it in a few months. Cause you know, we really do hesitate before we add anything else to the stuff that we already have. But I, I think it could be a good direction. We will see. Yeah. Just remember, you can always pack things in it while you're driving. <laughs> yes. It's a storage container as well. That's right. See, so it's two for one. It's, they say the instant pot is seven and one, but now it's eight and one. It's actually eight. You can keep your underwear in it. Oh, oh and yes. your socks. So your underwear and socks are always fresh. <laughs> fresh and warm. Fresh and warm. So as we're kind of landing our discussion, I don't want to miss the opportunity of having an expert on board because so many of our listeners are kind of do-it-yourself people. And they love taking the information that we bring on the podcast and then making it really actionable. So you work with people all over the world who are motivated by learning about quality of movement and improving their quality of movement. If you could say that the average person could do something to improve their health as far as movement practice and environment, what would you say is a suggestion that would kind of cover the basis for most people like how to change their environment or changing what? environment like kind of and also and also starting a movement practice that kind of maybe addresses most modern challenges mm-hmm. kind of like living in captivity um mm-hmm. challenges gosh galena that's a big question and it's going to depend on the person um, one thing I realized because we've had less access to the internet where, you know, I used to love taking as many classes I, as I can, could, and I, I still love taking them, but I can't take them very often. So what we've been doing is a daily joint mobility practice, which I love because it's super efficient, super effective, and it makes our bodies feel better and be better for the day. But bigger picture, you know, you've got to be walking, you've got to be squatting, and you've got to be getting your hands overhead regularly. So where are the levers in your life that'll let you have that? Like, how can you redesign even one part of your environment to give you a little bit more of those key nutrients? So I I think those are, Mm -hmm. you know... I mean, it sounds so boring. I'm like, you need to walk, you need to squat, you need to hang. You don't need to do a super fancy wheel pose, but (laughs) (laughs) you also have to like eat every day and you don't get to go to the super fancy French restaurant all the time. You have to, you know, you need basics. The basics are where it's at and and slowing down and getting good at the basics and experiencing the basics. I think that's kind of where, where you should focus your time the most. Very cool. And for everyone listening who would like to do some joint mobility work with Petra, 
Petra has a course called Joints for Life, and we're going to put the link in the show notes. Uh, but she's also created a special coupon for you guys to um, get $10 off. And uh, we're going to include the coupon as well in the show notes. So the, Yeah, the show notes live at eatmoblive52.com slash. Petra. <laughs> P-E-T-R-A. So you're going to be able to see them there as soon as this podcast is published. So if you're listening, you can get access to Joints for Life and experience the healing power of that practice that Petra and her partner do in the morning themselves. So Petra, as we say goodbye, let's finish on an excited note. What is something that you're working on right now and people should know about and get excited about? Oh gosh, I'm so stoked for the next few months. So because we're going to be traveling less, I have a whole bunch of work projects on the way. So I have some products I'm looking forward to working on. So I've got a pelvic floor workshop that I'm brushing up and improving. So it's super shiny and fresh and that's coming out soon. And I'm hoping to do some foot and maybe some upper body and shoulder stuff too coming out. So lots of fun stuff coming out soon. And in the meantime, the joint mobility work is where we, you know, we start every day with it and we start every exercise session with it. It's been so great for us. So anything that I do in the future is going to have a little bit of that going as well because it's such a great foundation. Awesome. And if people are itching to follow you right away and they have their phones in their hands to find you on Instagram and Facebook, how can they find you? So on Instagram, I am movement revolution, one word, no fancy characters. And on Facebook, I am Petra Fisher movement. Love it. So we're going to put that in the show notes as well. And you will be tagged in all of our Instagram <laughs> posts. So you should be easy to find. Petra, it's been such a joy to talk to you and to be your friend and to um, be a part of your adventure, even just kind of cheerleading. Well, I feel the same way about you. It's just an honor and a joy. And I love that we've known each other since I started the whole movement thing. And I'm looking forward to many more fun years of moving together. Yeah, it has been fun. It's been such an event. I was thinking about it the other day that um, you and I were in the same class and Galena was our teacher. <laughs> I know. And I still feel like I have so much I can learn from Galena. She's, she's a firecracker. So yeah, it was really true. cool. Yeah. I'm quite the dancer. <laughs> That's what I hear. And you, karaoke. You're you're going to find out this weekend. All I'm, right. The world will never be the same. <laughs> I wrote yesterday. Um, you know, for for those listening who have no idea what we're talking about, Petra and I are at a work event this weekend, and karaoke will be a part of it. And I'm terrified. I'm a horrible singer. But I did offer my uh, dance services for, for the background of whoever is singing. And Jill Miller took me up on it. So now I have to do it. Oh, no, that's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know about the karaoke thing. It's totally past my bedtime. So I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. But I think, I'll, I think I'd like to be there. It'll be sad to miss the karaoke. Well, in some time zones, it's not past your bedtime. <laughs> you just have to pretend. My you just have to be creative. They're very strong. Even our ancient ancestors stayed up late for celebrations sometimes, Petra. <laughs> That's a good point, Roland. <laughs> so good to laugh with you Ce and talk to you. Celebrate. celebrate. <laughs> that's the one. That's the, Maybe that's your song. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And mm -hmm. I'm super jazzed to see Galena this weekend for our training with Jill and Katie. And Roland, I wish you were coming too because... Because you're pretty fun too. 
Thank you. Next time. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Petra, for being on the show. And if you want to find out more, come to the show notes at eatmovelive52.com slash Petra, P-E-T-R-A. Thanks again, everybody. And uh, talk to you next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today with Petra Fisher. Galena and I had a great time, and I'm sure you did too. Be sure to stop by the show notes at eatmovelive52.com slash Petra. Learn more about Petra, check out her joint mobility program, get her special discount offer just for Eat Move Live 52 listeners. Go to eatmovelive52.com slash Petra right now. The show notes and to subscribe to the podcast so every episode goes straight to your phone. Talk to you next time. Thank you.